Welcome to Books and Ideas Audio, a presentation of the Vancouver Writers' Fest. The Vancouver Writers' Fest connects people to exceptional books, ideas, and dialogue through year-round programming that ignites a passion for words and the world around us. I'm Leslie Hertig, Artistic Director, and I'm very happy to share this conversation featuring acclaimed American writer Walter Mosley in conversation with Festival of Literary Diversity Director and author J.L. Richardson. This event was recorded live on October 19, 2020, as part of the Vancouver Writers Festival. The Vancouver Writers Fest carries out its work, including this event you're about to listen to, on the unceded and ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. This event features Walter Mosley speaking about his new collection of stories, The Awkward Black Man. And, as Kirkus Reviews said, the range and virtuosity of these stories makes this Mosley's most adventurous and maybe best book yet. And, and being a Californian, you know, I was a computer programmer and I'd been a cook and a potter and, and a whole bunch of stuff. Hmm. Uh, and then one day I was, I, I was working, I was a you know, consultant programmer, so I was working on the weekend at Mobile Oil, 42nd Street in Manhattan. And nobody else was there. It was the weekend. And and I and instead of writing on my program, I wrote a sentence, you know, on hot, sticky days in southern Louisiana, the fire ants swarm. And I said, you know, that sounds I've read books that that sounds kind of like a book. And uh, it must be fiction because I've never been to Louisiana, never seen a fire ant. So I'm making it up. Uh, let me see if I could be a writer. And so you know, maybe that's like 34 years ago, maybe 35. And. I just started. I just started writing, and you know, I would study with people, and I, I went to city college for a little bit, and this master's program in writing. I didn't graduate or anything, but I was there, <laughs> um, and I just, you know, started writing. You know, but yeah, you know, that was that was it. That was it. You were hooked. It's like, <laughs> well, and I, what I find so interesting, what I find so, you know, inspiring, if I can use that word without sounding corny is just the wide range of stories that you've told and the and the things that you've written. And I wonder, is there a preference for you about what you write at this stage in your career? Have you sort of said, okay, this is what I love, this is what I do, or is it always just whatever form comes? Well, you know, sometimes I've sold a book, you know, I have a contract. Usually that's, usually that's a, a mystery. Uh, and so I, I write that book. But for instance, when, when I was in this writer's room that, that I was talking about, um, I, I like the writer's room. I like writing television, but it doesn't satisfy me in the way that writing, you know, prose does. So I started writing um, short stories. I would wake up in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, and I'd work on a short story for like three hours. And then I do, you know, my ablutions and I go you know, to the room to write. And um, and then that's how I came up with the awkward black man. I, you know, I was trying to do something that made me feel at least satisfied. So, and then I realized that I was, I'm almost always talking about black male heroes, but, but the, but the, but the point inside of that was that I was writing about black male heroes that don't usually get written about, mm. you know, a guy, you know, who's overweight and he, and he said, wow, God, you know, I finally started losing weight. You know, and, and he's, you know, so that's the good thing. He said, the bad thing is it was a little touch of cancer. So I had to deal with that. You know, it, it, those kinds of, those kinds of people that, you know, that fa they're heroic in their own lives, like how we, how we live. 
um, and, and that was lots of fun. Stories all the way back from the beginning of my career uh, until you know, maybe like five or six that I've written in the last couple of years. And yeah, that was- so I, that, I wanted to talk about that um, the compilation, later? the collection uh, mm-hmm. is 17 stories, but they cover a wide range of time and over the course of your career, many of them have been published in other places. What was it that made you want to bring these particular stories all together at this time? I think it was, you know, it was that thing. I was in, up in the morning and I was writing. And I realized that I was writing about a certain kind of character. And I've been writing short stories, you know, my whole life. I mean, one of the things about uh, short stories in America, I'm not sure if it's true of the the rest of the world. You know, America has a lot of, you know, all these writing programs and universities that that are mainly there to make money for the university. You pay really way too much money for it. And it helps the university, um, you know, pay for their other students. Um, but in the, and, but, you know, novels and those kinds of things are kind of controlled by the mainstream people who are buying novels. Uh, that's the major amount of money spent on fiction in America. Uh, the short stories, there's hardly any, there, there's hardly any big venues. I mean, there's the New Yorker. I don't That might be the only real regular venue for short stories. Uh, so I, I'm saying that because the university having kind of gotten the, the market on, on short stories, uh, support a certain kind of writing. I mean, it's not like, you know, just one kind of story, but it's a certain kind of writing. And there are certain kinds of writers who, you know, pass judgment on these stories. And what I write doesn't fit into that at all. I mean, at all. And so I said, well, I have all these stories and, you know, mostly, mostly they've been rejected. (laughs) So, uh, uh, but I know they're good stories, so I'll I'll just put them together in a book, and then you know have people you know make a make a decision on it that way. And I have one question, but before I do, I want to mention to everybody um, in this format, one of the things that you can do, first of all, is you can use the chat to ask questions. I'm not gonna we'll do that a little bit later in terms of going into the questions, but you can post them as they come to you. You can also see a little smiley face that says reactions. And you're welcome to use that at your discretion. If Walter says something profound, you can clap, you can give a thumbs up, you can give love. Uh, That is something that you can do just to continue to be a part of this process and conversation. Um, I did want to talk further, uh, Walter, about the Awkward Black Man collection and these 17 stories in particular. And I wanted to pull on what you said about Um, first of all, were these the only 17 stories that you had, or were there some that you just said, nah, they don't quite fit into this collection, or nah, I'm just going to shorten it. There's about 40 stories, 40, 45 maybe that I have, and these, these ones fit together very well, Mm. and they, and they seem to be about, you know, that, that, that guy, you know, that, that kind of nerdy, like, guy who, um, might be really smart, might have a really, one really great talent uh, might be in, in some kind of strange, you know, uh, uh, you know, development of a personality uh, based on maybe somebody else in his family, maybe uh, his political ideas. I know in the last story, you know, there's a guy, you know, who he's just like, 
he will, you know, won't be called an African-American. He says, don't call me an African-American. He said, you know, I'm not from Africa. My mother's not, her mother's not, her mother's not. Maybe somebody was, we don't know where they were from. And if we knew where they were from, they would be that kind of uh, American, uh, slash American, like Malian American or Ethiopian American. You know, you're not gonna have, you know, a continent. You know, you have it for people from Africa and from Asia, but that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You know, Franco-Americans or Frenchmen. You know, and he and he's he he won't he, he gets offered this great job, but he won't take the job because they called him an African American. He said, "Well, you must be talking about somebody else." You know that that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 I, as I put all those stories together, I, I just thought, "Wow, this is really cool. This is these seventeen stories make it." You know, it was at first it was like twenty one, but I took out stories. Mm-hmm. And well, it's interesting you mentioned this story where uh, he's sort of deflecting the African-American because there's actually a progression even in the language, the politics of blackness that follows the story. In, in one of the stories, I, I remember thinking like uh, reading the word Negro and being like, oh my gosh, oh yeah, this is probably from a, you know an older time where that was the term that was used. And then there's one where they sort of reference you know, which are, who are now called African-Americans. There's this interesting chronology of, of blackness as well in the stories. And it made me think about the title in particular. And I wanted to ask you about the awkward black men as a title and what those uh, three words in particular, what, what stood out to you about those words together, whether there was any controversy or you had to fight for the title or that was always, you know, what you went with. No, you know, I've, only once in my life did I have a problem with a title um and and a publisher you know because who else is going to argue with me um <laughs> but you know the, and at one time uh that happened no but usually when i, I choose a title you know it it fits well enough mm-hmm. and awkward black man i think is it it just really speaks it speaks uh you know just volumes because you you have um you have all of these really kind of wonderful guys that live in these, in, you know, in, 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 in the black neighborhood or maybe not outside the black neighborhood or do, do really interesting kind of jobs uh, that we don't, just don't talk about because it, it's not the, you know, it's not the uh, impression of, of, of black men, especially in America. And that's just, uh, you know, and, and it's so much fun to, you know, like I have, I have my little, what modern day Western in New York on the West side, you know, and I just love that, you know, I just, I love it that I can write a Western about it, you know, because there's black cowboys, there's, there's black everything, you know what I mean? And, and uh, it, it was so, it was so much fun to, to explore all the kind of uh, avenues, all the, the personalities, all the, 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 the emotions of, of blackness. Uh, and specifically black men, you know, and I, I do that because black men don't really get covered like that in fiction, even uh, black women do. And I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you want to you want to you want to talk about people that you've known, that you've loved, that maybe raised you, maybe people that you hate, but just to show a different side of America. There's so many sides of America that you know get short shrift. So many, and so many of the characters, I mean, it really is the perfect title in the fact that they're all even different amongst themselves. They're different from each other. They're different from what yeah. we normally see. And the defining characteristic really 
is their their awkwardness in the world, their awkwardness with each other. I mean, I think anyone who's reading this is going to find it hard to believe that these stories were rejected on some level because they're just, ah, <laughs> I could say so much. Um, I know, want to... One of, one of the things about being awkward is it's hard to fit in a world that doesn't accept you. Mm. You know, that, that here you are, you're doing something and you're, you, you meet a guy and he, and he starts talking, you know, uh, about the Renaissance. Mm. And he starts talking about, you know, who was actually indeed the more uh, important artist, uh, Leonardo or, or Michelangelo. Mm. You know, and, 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 and you just stop, you go, wait a second, this face is not supposed to have, be having this conversation with me. Mm. This person is not, doesn't, I don't, I don't recognize that, you know, I don't believe he knows what he's talking about, even. I've had that often with myself. And um, you, you just go, wow, if, if, if we can, if you can just open that up, you know, and really, honestly, if I could just open it up for black men, I'm, I'm happy right there. I mean, I, I don't mind if anybody else reads it and thinks about it and likes it and, and, and is moved by it. Uh, I, it. It's intended for that. But just just for us among ourselves, you know, other black guys to be talking about it. It's really, I think it's a very important, um, it's a really important thing. You know, because you don't want to get trapped and say, well, I, you know, I only have two or three different choices what I can do, you know, with my personality in this world. Yeah. I, I listened to an interview you did on Q, maybe quite recently. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things you said that I wanted to talk about a little bit builds on this. You said that it took a long time for Black men to find your work and read it, that mm -hmm. initially there was sort of a... Um, perception that black men don't read and then uh, misrepresentation of black men that maybe perpetuated uh, this belief. But um, what did you, what do you think this collection offers that maybe differs from those black men who, who found easy uh, your stories about easy Rollins? What is the awkward black man offer that's different or build on for that audience that means so much to you? We know it, it does certainly, it, it couldn't have been my first book mm. because, you know, you, you, getting to that, this book, this book is, is challenging in, in, in a way where, you know, people kind of seem like they're losers or they're, they, they, they don't, you know, like they don't fit in the world or, or they're not, you know, they're not successful, you know, they're not royalty, they're not rich, they're not, uh, you know, the best fighters, you know, uh, and so, but I, you know, I started off with Devil in a Blue Dress, right, with uh, Easy Rollins. And I, and I was writing about a black male hero, but he was a, a deeply flawed character, the kind of character that anybody who comes from any community recognizes. Like, yeah, well, he's not the best guy. You know, I said, well, yeah, some people don't like Al Capone, but, you know, Al did a lot of stuff. He had that soup kitchen. I ate it every day. You know, like that, you know, that, that world. And, um, and I think in the beginning, like, like you were saying, uh, black men felt misrepresented in fiction. And so therefore weren't drawn to it. It's not, you know, it's not like they didn't read or couldn't read or didn't want to read. It's just that they would, you would hear people say things like, well, you know, um, I read, uh, I read nonfiction because I want to read the truth. I mean, little do they know is that the, that the least truth is in nonfiction, right? Because you, you leave out so many facts. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that over maybe a four or five year period there in the beginning from 1990 to 1995, I, you know, 
arrived for a lot of black men where they would say, hey, I can read this. Yeah, I know Easy Rollins. I know, I know Mouse. I know this. I know, you know, and from there, I could start going to other places, have, a, you know, my, my book, R.L.'s Dream about Robert Johnson. Then I started writing, you know, science fiction and all these various, you know, places that you could go. Do you think about, I mean, you talk about that this couldn't have been your first book. Do you do you think about things in terms of mainstream and literary and how that works within your your writing? Um, well, you know, I think about it. You know, I mean, I'm in I'm in business. I sell books. So. <laughs> but you know, there's some writers who like don't talk about the business. It's sort of like this. I I, this, I don't know honor or I don't know what they I'm very much into the business of writing and so you know I I feel like that's a really interesting point that you're making that it couldn't have been your first but that it also creates a really important balance or a really important addition any person who's sitting down and and they and they think to themselves I've written this brilliant book let's say somebody's thinking that uh and then the next thought they have is I can't pay my rent like those two things are related Mm. like the brilliant book and not being able to pay my rent. Like, so you want to at least try to, you know, represent, you know, like to, to get your work to a place where it gets represented. But I'm not even thinking about the commercial thing with this. I'm, I'm just was thinking about if, because I think The Awkward Black Man would have sold pretty well uh, had it been my first book. But I don't think that I would have, you know, made inroads, you know, to to the, to a black male audience that I really think, you know, is, is, is important. I think is my audience or it's one of my audiences anyway. So it's a little bit commercial, you know, which I, I like, but it, it, it's more like I'm saying, well, I, I, I'm trying to, to, you know, open a door that, where, that people can read about it and think about it and say, hey, I recognize myself in there, I recognize my father in there, or I recognize my brother, my brother is really like this, they may say, mm-hmm. right, you know, and, and that's really wonderful if, if you can get, if you can do it. Well, I think it's a skill I mean, we talk, I, I've heard you talk about it, but I, I think about it a lot, the genre versus literary and what separates those two and why people mm-hmm. even bother with that. And I think sometimes it's about the cleanness of the line and really getting the writing so that it is both uh, literary well, and commercial. Both, right? Yeah. When you go in the history of, of fiction, uh, it's definitely in English, but really in every other language too, um, all the n- novels we talk about today that we say, oh, this is great, this is genius, this is towering, was originally popular. Mm-hmm. You know, Char- Charles Dickens, boy, he was the biggest seller in the world. You know, uh, e- even some of uh, really, I think America's greatest novelist, uh, uh, Herman Melville, um, you know, Herman Melville was writing big sea adventures. He wanted to do both. He wanted to go deep and write the adventures, which is what you have with Moby Dick, which didn't work uh, financially for him. But, you know, he, did, he didn't care because that's what he was doing. He had a job. He didn't, it didn't matter. But, you know, the, the, the idea is that some people say, well, popular means it's not literary, you know. And, and I would say, well, you know, you could say that. I said, but, you know, just because it's literary doesn't mean it's good. You know, a lot, there are a lot of literary novels that are bad books, you know, you, you, you try to, cause you know, you have character, character development, uh, plot, you have an idea, you have a spirit, you have a form of language, you, you, all, all of these things come together in anything that you write. My, my friend had coined a term. I have to give her a shout out for this. Leonika Valsius. 
she came up with this term sweet spot fiction, which is like sort of the the intersection of what people call, you know, quote unquote literary and maybe more commercial. And it's a space where people can just really enjoy great writing, essentially. So it breaks down. And there is that quality to each of the stories, like a real ability to grab the story. And also I had my highlighter working like double overtime, just <laughs> lines that I loved. There was a couple lines I was just like, oh, if I could write a sentence like that. Um, I wanted, I wondered about what you read growing up and how that's shaped the kinds of story, the way you tell stories. Cause I think there's a particular way you, you tell stories that in all 17 stories really comes through. And I wondered about the influence that maybe shaped that. Well, you know, the influences are really interesting. You know, for me, um, I think, I think the, 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 you know, in, 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 my interesting, you know, my family background, you know, my father's black man from Louisiana, uh, then, you know, moved to Texas where, so I have a lot of Texans and Louisianans in my, you know, in my history. Uh, my mother, my mother's parents were uh, Jews from Eastern Europe, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and Russia. Uh, and you know, Jew, Jewish, you know, when you go back that far, Jewish people and Black people at that time were having the same experience. They all lived in ghettos. They were all hung and burned, treated as another race, not having political representation in the government, all that stuff. So that there was a lot of you know back and forth uh, communication you know, uh, between them. Uh, and so that this is me listening to stories, you know, by by old Jewish men talking about the shtetl, you know, and, and by black men and uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, being, you know, uh, enslaved, uh, uh, talking about uh, how, how they lived, how, how they ate in, in, in the South. Uh, women who, you know, I remember my, my aunt, she was, she was the toughest woman. I was standing at her house, it was on New Year's Eve and it was in Galveston, Texas. I was scared to death and, and, I, was, I, and I couldn't go to sleep. And she said, Walter, are you scared? And I said, yes, I am Henrietta. <laughs> and, and she said, I got a 45 right here in my purse. Ain't nobody getting to you before they come through me and ain't nobody getting through me. You know, that is kind of like a, the, the, the nucleus of a story right there. Now, of course, you know, I read, I read all kinds of things, you know, I, I, I read, you know, adventures, you know, Treasure Island and, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, you know, the Fantastic Four, and, you know, I mean, that the, 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 the literature you read as a child, you know, is the best literature you're ever going to read. Uh, Ian Forster says that in aspects of the novel. Um, and then, you know, later on, I, I you know, uh, 100 Years of Solitude, The Simple Stories by Langston Hughes, uh, you know, all of these, you know, all of these books, tons of science fiction, you know, I mean, really, some, some of the, the best and smartest writers ever, you know, writing science fiction, you know, about the, you know, imagine this. It, okay, if you can imagine that, imagine this now, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, my mind is opening up, you know, in, in, in these ways. Um, but but I, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, reading and writing are obviously connected, yeah. but, but I don't think they're reliant on each other. I know people who've read everything and can quote everything, can't write a word. I know people who hardly ever read at all, who write novels that just make me cry. You know, it's, it, 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 it's a, I, th I think as a writer, you're trying to talk about the story. I mean, Charles Dickens, uh, uh, you know, was a big part of getting rid of, rid of debtor's prison in, in, in England because 
he wrote about it so convincingly that people cried everywhere. You know, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uncle Tom's Cabin had, you know, everybody, uh, uh, you know, talking about it. And, and it, it's not the, the literary history that informs that, but, but it's the history of a people that does. And, and I think that that's, you know, that's where you come from in all those places. My father was a great storyteller. I love listening to him tell stories. And, you know, if anybody says, well, what's the biggest impact on you? It was my father telling stories and my father listening to me telling stories. Hmm. It's, I, I mean, I, I can, you can hear that in, in your writing. You can see that on, even on the page, mm-hmm. ironically, um, the storytelling and the, the I, I think short story writing is a particular challenge. It has a particular skill to it that, I mean, I don't have. Um, but I think it, it has this ability to tell a complete and uh, interesting story in a short time frame and a short uh, amount of space. And I want to pick on a few themes that um, mm-hmm. that I saw and some questions that I had. Okay. And one was about uh, a theme of love or maybe anti-love. <laughs> I was saying one thing that struck me among many of the protagonists in the story was a fractured view or a fractured experience with love, just like these very awkward um, love moments. And I wondered if that was an intention, a desire to push against notions of, of romance and love that we traditionally see in stories or, or just about representations of love, if it was something you thought about or were aware of as you were, you were creating each of these characters. Well, you know, I, one of the, one of the things that I do is I, I talk in both of my little writing books and you know, little slender things is that you have to write every day. And, if, and, and the reason I, I think you should write every day is, uh, uh, is in, in, in reference to a, to a form of, of uh, therapy that you know, has you know, gone out of fashion because it's not useful anymore as far as you know, the, the mind, uh, is psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think Freud is a genius. And I love Freud's work, but psychoanalysis itself was you know, this developed for like you know, hysterical uh, symptoms, mm-hmm. which we don't have so much anymore. Um, and but but the thing about it that was so wonderful, if you if you were in therapy for you know an hour today, uh, you were going to be in it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next, you know, forever. And um, what, what what what's so great a, a, about that is that every day you come back to it, there are new thoughts. You didn't even know that there are new thoughts. You just sit down to write the next day. I'm talking about writing now, from, from therapy to writing. You sit down and start to write the next day, and and you go, wow, this is this is really um, connected to this. And you start you know, writing about that. Uh, and so when I'm writing these stories, subjects come up, things that I'm dealing with all the time and in my head, in my heart, in my, in my memory. And they, they, it's there. And it's certainly the theme of love throughout, not, not, not every story, but most of them. Um, and you know, and, and you know, a lot of it, it it's you know, you know, kind of kind of classic uh, boy and girl kind of thing, you know. But oh, sometimes it's a love of a, a cousin or a brother or um, yeah. a, a parent, uh, you, you know. Or it's a it's a, a man loving a, a, a woman, but not as, as a sexual object, as just as as she represents the kind of turning point of his life. Yeah. Um, that, those are the kind of things that you know that that are that are so much fun uh, to write about and so interesting and so different. You know, as, as, I'm not talking about 
I don't think any of the stories, maybe one where, you know, oh, the guy is just so perfect and, and beautiful and, and this <laughs> and that, you know, and in that one, he dies early. Um, <laughs> um, Spoiler. But, you know, it's not the thing that you would expect. Oh, I didn't tell him the name of the story. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I think it's, uh, I think it's really important. And, and I wanted to say something else because you were talking about uh, not writing uh, short stories and, mm. You know, I, I did an introduction to the you know, the best short stories, uh, I don't know, in the early 2000s. And, and it was fun to read stories because short stories are much more difficult than novels. Mm -hmm. If I had it sitting in front of me to write this short story, write this novel, I would definitely go to the novel because it's so easier. Because um, a short story has all of the power, all of the impact, all of the history, all the meaning of a novel only most of it is not apparent. It's not there, it's not described. So like, it's like if you looked at a mountain and you saw the whole mountain, extraordinary, it's, it's beautiful, you know? Or then you looked in the ocean and you saw an island and said, oh, that's a pretty little island there. It's just a little thing. And, and, and then you go, yeah, but you know, there's a mountain under that island. Mm -hmm. That island wouldn't be there if there wasn't a mountain under it holding it up, you know? And you, so you need all of that, happening below the water uh, in, in a short story, which is why you it, making choices writing you know, a short story is so difficult. Um, you know, in a novel, if a woman walks in and she's wearing a red dress, that's fine, she's wearing a red dress. In a novel, I mean, in a short story, you go, why is she wearing that red dress? Mm -hmm. What does that red dress mean to, with her relationship with her father, her mother, her brother, <laughs> uh, the job? You know, it has to have, everything has to work, yeah. it's that complex. Yeah, it, it blows my, and it blows my mind. I think I, I wrote a short story for a collection recently and, you know, it took me like a year to write one short story. Yeah. So it blows my mind with, with a collection like this. And I, I, I'm really curious. I wanted to ask this question because I haven't done a collection before. Um, when you do a collection like this, are there favorites or is it like children? Like you love each and every one kind of the same, but for different reasons, you know, when you look at these 17 stories, is there one that you're like, ah, I could read that every day. I mean, there's some, it's so interesting. There's some uh, stories that I really like, you know, uh, I really like, like the Western, for instance. I, I really like that story. But I look at writing the way uh, people look at classical music. Um, you know, opus, uh, you know, Chopin, opus 26, uh, you know, Beethoven, op opus 32. You know, it's, all of it works together. You can't, you know, you can cherry pick and say, I like this, I like that, I like this. But I know that I had to write all that other stuff in order to get there. I had to, you know, you have to, you have to learn and you have to learn and you have to learn and you're learning is all those works. So like all my, you know, books and, and, and short stories and plays and screenplays and all of those things uh, I, I, I think of as together as, as they're all pieces of a one much larger body of work. And uh, uh, Carolyn asked a question that I, I know I'm supposed to wait till the end to take audience questions, but I think it's really relevant here. My question is like, or her question and mixed with mine is the order. Was the order some, is it sequential? Is it an order that was very precise? Do you sort of want people to read it beginning to end as it's listed? Yeah, I, the, the, I, I spent a long time wondering about the order of, of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, I've written collections of short stories before. Usually they're about the same character or the same world. Yeah. 
my science fiction uh, thing, uh, Futureland, nine stories about this world. So they had to be in an order because I was telling a bigger story. Uh, the, the Socrates stories, uh, the Tempest Tales, uh, any of those things, I, I, uh, I, um, I keep, you know, I needed an order, but for this book, there, it, it was it was not an, a, sequ a sequential as far as time was concerned, or even characters, because a couple of characters, you know, one or two appear more than once in these stories. But but um, I, I just wanted to put it in a, a kind of a a kind of a like planets, you know, orbiting. You know, I, I, they needed to be in a they needed to be in a certain place. Mm. And uh, but I, could I explain that? No, I don't think. So. <laughs> just everybody read it in order. <laughs> yeah, read it. I think reading it in order would be good. I I mean, I asked you about your favorite, but I have to say probably one of my favorites, just in terms of like, you know, uh, personal gasp and, and just compelling. I don't know. There was something about it. Uh, for me, was The Haunted uh, was mm. one of my favorite stories. And just to give everybody a little bit of a sense of it, it's uh, about a black man who's been rejected a thousand times by a publisher um, and he dies. And then, you know, the story becomes really interesting because it's about his career continuing on kind of posthumously. Um, and I, I just, I needed to know when I read that, I, I was thinking about so many things about the way writing lives on after us, about the way rejection and publishing is affected people of color in particular. And then I noticed that you had started um, this, uh, the program with City University. And I wondered about, you know, how publishing has, what you've seen in your career in publishing that you're still trying to address, to fix, to, to wrestle or rectify. Hmm. Well, I think like, if following the story of the haunted, we need to answer questions for ourselves first. Mm. And I think this is a really big issue. Like, you know, cause a lot of people say, well, I'm not getting published. My story isn't getting out there, I don't know, you know. And very often that's true, but it, it doesn't give you, you know, leeway to not be completely committed to your job as a writer. Cause your job as a writer is, is, is not impacted by the person who decides to publish you or not publish you. You're, it, it affects a lot other parts of your life, but not, but, but if, if you're committed to your work, then you, you, you're gonna, you're gonna do that, that writing. So I think that's the first thing. Um, and I think that that really was true in, in, in the haunted. Um, and I, you know, I belong to a, an organization now that I helped to start called the Crime Writers of Color. Um, when I was uh, first writing mysteries, uh, there were about nine, uh, you know, black mystery writers that I knew of that we did things together. We went to different parts of the country and, and, and did events. This organization I'm in now has well over 200 members. Mm -hmm. So things have gotten a lot better. And people can, are writing, people are getting published, people have a community that they can talk to that's incredibly supportive, you know, rather than, you know, that, that uh, more competitive vein that comes in the literary world. Um, and I, I'm really, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy about the way things are. Uh, I'm happy about the way things are going. We're, we're not there yet. I mean, you, you live in America, people come up to me and they'll, they'll say, you know, isn't it terrible how lately so many black men are getting shot down in the streets of America? 
And I said, well, you know, that's been going on every day for the last 400 years, right? Mm-hmm. And they go, really? I said, yeah, you're just reacting to the telephone with a camera in it, you know, but it, you know, and, and, and there's, and I think that, so there's a lot of, there's a lot that people have to pay attention to, but, you know, a lot of doors have opened up. I mean, you know, even though many people don't like it, one of the the big things is hip hop music has really opened doors because these black musicians selling uh, records directly to to white uh, you know listeners who therefore take on say oh my god what are they talking about they're talking about how tough it is to be black this happens to if you're black that happens to you. I mean even in my even in, in 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 the story where the you know the guy goes to the um to the market the 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 white girl tells the black man says well you you know uh, you know street uh, street uh, person says you walk that way and all the you know the the police and the guards and everybody they're going to be following you i can steal anything mm-hmm. and you know like that whole notion you know which you know most people don't think about um, is 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 what we're dealing in the world so what i th- what i'm trying to say is i think that things are getting better mm-hmm. but they have not gotten where they need to be yet. I'm going to ask one more question and I was supposed to remind people regularly throughout. I forget all the time, but uh, if you do have questions, post them in the chat in about five minutes. I'm going to start pulling questions from there. I have one more and fittingly it's about endings. Um, When it comes to endings, (laughs) a number of your stories don't necessarily end ideally for you know, if ideal is a thing. Um, and I wonder what your thinking, belief, or approach to endings is, how you know that you've got it, if there's a particular thing you want people to feel or experience, or if it's just sort of a place that you reach with the story. Yeah, I'm, I'm less thinking about, you know, the, the reader and, and their potential epiphanies, you know, from stories, and, and more about the character or characters that I'm writing about. Uh, and and if I, if I can if I can bring that character like anyone else, you know, unless they die, um, they're at a place, and they you know they they they've, they've had the struggle, they've had this competition, they've they've won it, they've lost it, they have whatever feelings they have about it, but then they're going to go to bed tonight, and they're going to wake up tomorrow morning, and going to go to work. I mean, so it, it's. I'm going to end it that night before they get up in the morning and go to work because it's it's a here's a this is a moment here, um, and and so I, I like endings, just like I like my characters to be pedestrian, you know, that you know it 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 does it's not it's it, it's not the end ever it's not the end you know it's it's just this happens but then all these other things are you know still going on and if i can make those things fit together for my for my main character uh and hopefully some others in the story um then i'm happy there's something really uh i i think there's something intangible that happens with your endings that Mm-hmm. Like you said, makes you want to turn the page and read the next story, even though they're not connected. Yeah. It makes you feel sort of satisfied with where you've been left without being, like sometimes I get angry at endings because I'm like, I don't have enough information. <laughs> but I felt really genuinely satisfied at the end of these short stories. And I say this as someone who is, um, and I say this for those that are watching that are thinking about this, like I generally read 
do short stories. That's just like my practice. Mm-hmm. And this was a really special collection for me, really mm-hmm. special that I, I just really enjoyed each one. I like to go back and read some of them over again. It just, I've been doing it for about two months, sort of picking up a short story at a time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I want to say that to, to any short story skeptics that are out there. Um, All right. So now we turn to the point where um, we're going to bring the audience even more into the conversation with questions that uh, they've posed. And so I'm going to have a look through and pick a few. Um, So it's been 13 years since this is from Paul Graham. It's been 13 years since you published your book. This year you write your novel. Is there any advice that you would add now? Well, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to sound, you know, venal or anything, but, you know, I, I did just recently write and publish a book called The Elements of Fiction. Mm-hmm. This year you write your novel is, I think that everybody would benefit from writing a novel. Uh, not everybody's going to write the kind of novel that people want to publish, that's maybe of the quality to be published. Uh uh, that might be great novel, but nobody wants to read that right now. I mean, but it's a it's a basis of how what you do on a, in a daily way to get to the end to write a novel. Um, it's basic, but it's I think you know all things are basic. It's like cooking. You know, if you don't have a basis of cooking, you're not going to make dinner. Um, <laughs> but the elements of fiction. Is as how to to put something unique in that novel. How to how how you, and that it's that's a really intangible thing. Mm-hmm. How you you get to a place where your novel is is going to break off from from the rest. What it, what what that world is. Uh, Elements of fiction is no longer uh, than uh, uh, this year you write your novel. But I I think that it there's there's more to be said. And you know after thirteen years of 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 of, of thinking about. Uh, you know, I was thinking about the, the 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 what I say about plot, which I you know, which I like. I like what I say about plot. I say that plot is the structure of revelation. It is both pedestrian and ecstatic, and um, and and that and if, and if you can figure that out in in your own writing heart, then you can make a novel that's special. My uh, my full my festival team is watching, and I'm hoping that they're writing these quotes down so that they can share them with me afterwards. Because I'm like, ooh, I want to write that one down. Um, so another question from Bonnie is about the pandemic and whether you're writing more or less because of the pandemic, or whether a pandemic will feature in the plot of a of a novel as a backdrop. I have a story that I that I've been kind of going back and forth to that'll have to do, you know, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody in the world is is is, is saying this phrase. Uh, you know, love in the time of COVID nineteen. You know, um, but um, f- as a writer, I was in a writer's room, like I've said before, uh, working on a television show when when the COVID hit. Yeah, and and really, I I like being in a writer's room. But I also hate being in a writer's room. I mean, to, to go to a place every day and sit down for eight hours with other people, trying to tell them or them to tell you what you should be writing, it's just it's it's grueling. I mean, it's it's hard. So when the pandemic came and I found myself stuck, in, you know, in this room, this apartment, I went, "Wow, this is this is the way I felt, you know, before I was in the writer's room." I'm 
at home and I'm writing and I love it. You know, it's, it's great. I mean, my life hasn't changed. I'm working more than I was, you know, when I was in the writer's room, but not more than I was, you know, five years ago, you know, when I was just sitting in my house writing novels and short stories and articles and, you know, letters. People are begging you to read your work, Walter. It's happening. <laughs> How scared is that could be prose? Um, do you read books while you're in the middle of a story? And does that affect what you write? Hmm. That's from uh, Isabel. Thank you. I, you know, that's an interesting question. Um, and yes, I'm sure it does, but I have no idea how. I mean, I'm, I'm usually at that place where I don't know what I'm gonna write tomorrow morning. I, I just don't know. I mean, I know what I'm gonna, what, what you know, project I have in front of me, what book I'm writing, but I don't know what I'm gonna write. And uh, I, I get, my imagination is piqued by uh, what I wrote yesterday, but also, with that, it's piqued by everything else that I experienced. So if I start reading about, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, um, and you know, in the morning, tomorrow, um, something I was thinking about him might come into the work. You know, might. Um, I just, I just don't know. When I'm writing a mystery, I don't read mysteries because the 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 plot of mysteries is is kind of like you know subterranean. And it, it 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 can easily you know migrate into your own work, and then you've written somebody else's book, and that's not good. <laughs> Definitely not good. Okay, I have one more question, and if there aren't any more questions, this will be the last one. <gasps> so I I mean I don't think I love how your novels are set inside particular moments. I love that we had a question about the pandemic because that's where we are right now. We're also in a particular political moment, particularly you in the United States with an election coming up. And I wonder how that affects you as a writer, whether it bleeds into the content, whether it affects your ability to engage or whether you write more nonfiction or fiction, how the politics of the day affect how you come to the page. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, it, when when Trump got elected, you know, Saturday Night Live had a, you know, a routine where there's like these four white people and these two black guys and the white people were really upset about Trump. You know, oh my God, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. How could this have happened? We never imagined such a thing like this could happen. And, and, the, and the black guys are going to say, you haven't. This is the worst thing that ever happened to you? He said, <laughs> my, my uncle got lynched, you know? It's like, and, and, and so, you know, I kind of think that um, the way I feel about, well, the way I'm writing, what or what's what's unfolding uh, is kind of the way that that I I, I think about my my stories. Uh, anyway, I think that uh, a lot of stuff that we've gone through, I hate it, but I think we had to go through it. I think America needed to you know to find you know to be able to go completely in the wrong direction and recognize that it's the wrong direction. Not, not only go there, but recognize it. And some people, you know, out loud are saying, this is wrong, this is awful, we gotta fix it. Other people are saying, they're not saying it, but they think it, you know, there's a lot of those Republicans there who are like going, oh my God, yes, uh, this is, we, we can't allow this to happen again, you know? Uh, 
you know, and it's interesting. And, and you know, I, I live in a place where, you know, that that uh, it used to be that white, uh, especially white men, had a leg up on everything. That's kind of the history of America. But capitalism has taken that away. Capitalism says, listen, I, I want to make as much money as I can off you and you and you. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care what you what you want. I'm going to make the money off of you. I'm not going to give you a special deal because of the color of your skin. Um, now, a lot of people are upset. You know, a lot of, you know, so-called white people in America are upset, you know, thinking that maybe people of color have a lot to do with taking away from them. Uh, but I think slowly, especially in the younger generation, people are learning. So, no, that's not it. We're all in the same trouble together and we got to work together. And so if that becomes, you know, the final answer, I'm going to be very happy. You know, but that didn't have anything to do with what I'm writing about. So, you know, I mean, it's just me thinking, you know. Hmm. Do you look for places to like write about stuff like that when it's happening, though? Or is it just does it just percolate? Because I'm always like, where do I put this stuff? Uh, well, yeah, I, I try not to have that thought because, hmm. you know, I, I it, it, you know, it, it might flatten out, hmm. you know, like, you know, what I'm thinking. You know, a lot of people are thinking what I'm thinking, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, if we want to have a conversation about it or talk about it, I mean, I, I love that Dave Chappelle had a, you know, a little bit, a little special in his, his little town and, and, and he was, and he was answering people saying, well, you should get me getting out there, you know, and being a leader for these people. And he's like, no, the, the people are doing great on their own. You know, you know, I, 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 I should, I should say they're doing great. That's wonderful. That's good. You know, but you know, Black Lives Matter is doing, you know, they're doing really, you know, the good, good stuff, you know, I mean, Awkward black man might be a a, a spice for that, mm -hmm. you know, but. Love that. Uh, well, that is it for today. I want to do just like my last before Leslie comes on or as Leslie comes back in to do a closing remarks. Um, I have two copies. This is my super beat up, many tabs <laughs> marked and highlighted all over uh, copy of the awkward black man. I strongly recommend it. I think. What you're going to find is people you don't know and recognize, but also people who are incredibly real and men who are incredibly funny and troublesome and all the things, all the work. I don't even have all the adjectives for it. Um, but whether you're a novel reader normally or short story, you know, find your independent bookstore. Uh, I think the Vancouver Writers people will post that there, but, um, you know, find a place to, to get this book. It's a treat. You've been listening to Books and Ideas Audio, a presentation of the Vancouver Writers' Fest. To hear more events like this one, please visit our website at writersfest.bc.ca.